Welcome to the Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. And this is another episode in His and History. Uh, we're still in the toddler years, uh, and today we're going to talk a bit more about uh, the kids' classes, I guess. Yes, acti- like kid, yeah, toddler classes. I was going to say extracurricular activities, but I'm like, wait a second, they didn't have curriculum. They didn't age. have curriculum, no. No. So when the kids were getting towards about 18 months, I kind of went from, I am so busy, I can't do anything, to, I really need to get out of the house more. <laughs> Plus, it's also useful to have something to occupy the kids that don't require your own invention. Yes, but I, th- I think before that point, I was just so overwhelmed and busy that I wouldn't have been able to think about going out and doing classes and having regular commitments. Mm. But then I was like, okay, let's do this. And then we kind of had to work out what we were going to do. Yeah. Like what class we're going to do. So kinder gym is a famous one um, that people do. And one, I think one of the benefits of having twins and being kind of exhausted by it was people in my parents' group had already started doing classes because they weren't as exhausted. Yeah. So they were able to give me some recommendations. Uh, so our original three classes, if I remember correctly, were a music class called Mini Maestros, a gym class called Leaping Lizards, and a Japanese right brain training oh, class. God, that was such a bad idea and so expensive. So- Two of them went well, one of them didn't. And I think from Paul's reaction, you can probably guess which one did not go well. So, for those of you who have not had the joys of Japanese right brain training, the idea is that, and I think it might even start as early as six months. I can't remember. It was it. It was ridiculous. We weren't in the youngest group, and they the boys were about eighteen months. Yeah. The idea is that you're trying to teach your child to use their right side of their brain in order to perform, what would you call it, like logical tasks, I guess, or problem solving. Well, yeah, the idea was just to train both parts of the brain. So the idea was the curriculum is sort of based, traditional curriculum is based very much on the left hemisphere. So they had a curriculum sort of based on the right hemisphere to balance out the world. No, but it wasn't just about the right the right hemisphere. Because okay, for, sorry, let's take it back a step. So the right hemisphere is typically the creative side, whereas the left hemisphere is more the logical side. The idea in this particular sort of school of thinking is that you want to teach your child to be able to use their right brain to solve left brain problems. But also, I think they were training, trying to train the kids to have photographic memories. Yes, but it was through other other means. So one of the exercises that they did, and let's remember, this was at 18 months of age, was that they had a series of cards laid out, about sort of 24 or something cards for a class of, I don't know, like six or eight kids. And each child, in inverted commas, get, got assigned three cards Each card had a picture, and you had to form a sentence that included all these three pictures, and the words attached to them, in order to memorise what those cards were. 18 months of age. The parent was doing all of the work while the child was sitting there going, "Ah!" It was a ridiculous class, right? Um, And look, don't get me wrong, there might be some science in it, sure. But it was very bizarre. And the class, not only that, but we were in a windowless closet of a room, all sat together, trying to basically do the work for our children. It was exhausting and expensive, and I'm not really sure they saw the value in it. Maybe if the kids were older, 
I might understand it better. Like, if the kids were school age and were having trouble remembering things, okay, maybe I see the value in it. But at 18 months old, what, even if the data was there, it just felt ridiculous. You know, and don't get me wrong, I, I would love our kids to be academic and smart, but even I'm not that much of a tiger mum. Like, 18 months old is it feels pretty illogical and premature to me. Yes, and I think the problem that Matt had... Like, this is probably the one class where Matt was angrier than Jake about things. <laughs> because the kids were expected to sit um, down while they were shown all these things. And they were not allowed to get up and touch them. And Matt was not interested in that. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to touch things. He wanted to feel things. He wanted to look closer at things and wander around the room and do stuff. So... He did not like that class, and but he did like the reception area. So I think <laughs> me and him spent a lot of time in the reception area where he was allowed to touch things and play with things and had a much better time than being in the class. Whereas Jake actually kind of was fine with just sitting there having flashcards flashed at him, even though he's 18 months old. Yeah. I, I also remember this thing where at the beginning of each class, they would announce the different elements of the day. So it'd be the day, the, day, the month, the year, the season... And I think the time as well. But they do it at this rapid fire pace and go back and forth. So it'd be like, say it's the 29th of March, 2020. 29th of March, 2020. It's 9.15, 9.15, 9.15. It was hilarious. And I have no idea how it worked. It was meant to just be absorbed in them. They like, rapid flashcards. Like where they just flash things at the kids really quickly. Oh yeah, there was the, like the history lessons as well. So yeah, there, there was like some top Art of- history for 18 month olds. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we were too cynical for that class, I think. Again, there might be some science behind it. I never researched it properly. It just sounded kind of interesting, and it was in our neighbourhood. So I'm like, why not? And our kids are doing well at school, so maybe it's all that, you know, six months where Matt spent, like, the first ten minutes lesson inside the classroom. Yep. I'm sure that's... The kids' success. Um, the music class was 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 relatively successful as well. Luckily, we had a really uh, nice group of mums who mm-hmm. were also there, so we, we made friends with them and got along with them quite nicely. And the but folks... we isolated one grandma. Yeah, she wasn't included. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was very harsh with the child. Yes, um, she was. Ve- she was very strict compared to the rest of us. Yeah, putting other issues aside, I just don't think we would have necessarily gotten along with her. Yeah. But, you know, they, they started with percussion instruments. Actually, they did percussion instruments for the majority of the time uh, through through Mini Maestros. Mainly yeah, because... like, through the time that you were still there. Because a lot of the classes that we did continue with, we did not continue with Japanese right brain training, we continued for a number of years, and it did progress as the kids got older. Um, but a couple of years into each of them, it kind of became more independent. Whereas the start, like with the Japanese right brain training, but not in a... We, as weird a way, there's a lot of the parents doing stuff. Like, you know, the kids would be given an instrument and they kind of just play with it randomly, whereas the parents might actually model how to actually play the drum. Yes, but it also seemed, like, achievable versus... Uh, well, they were allowed like... to touch things. That was a good start. Yeah. Um, and they were more included, like, you know, it might be you sing a song and you cover the kid with the, like, a... Cloth. Cloth. And basically, you know, for the first year, maybe, the parents are taking the cloth off at the right point in the song. But the kids eventually learn to take, like, learnt the cue to take the cloth off. And they take the cloth off themselves. So, 
they were learning by being involved. But it was, yeah, it was tactile. They got to touch things. They got to, I guess, co- have causation and agency. And like, it's like, okay, I bang this thing because I'm just banging things randomly. But now it's made a noise. Mm. I kind of learn about the fact that it's made a noise. So, yeah, like, they, they were learning by doing, as opposed to having rapid flashcards. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as the years went on, they, as Grant was saying, you know, they got more independent, and they actually started learning, was it the violin? Um, well, that that was the, the event. So, it kind of went, a lot of percussion, then it went to something that looked, was a bit like a xylophone. Yeah. Um, except each of the keys were separate, so you could just take out the keys for the song, so they wouldn't have random ones. Mm-hmm. And they'd le- So, that was sort of teaching them to read music and they even wrote some music with this with a little xylophone i think it's what are they called tone blocks yeah no. tone blocks that sounds right yeah um and then when it got to the prep year which is the last year we did i think there is a grade one year but it pretty much ends after grade one and we so we finished what 12 months earlier than the program ran to they actually learn musical instruments so they learn keyboard violin and guitar mm. i think I, oh and recorder yeah I must have blocked that one out for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Philosophically, I would have liked the kids to continue with a musical instrument. And we did offer to them. We said, you know, if you would continue with one, which would you choose? But we never really pursued it. They, by by grade one, they had already had uh, a number of other, at that point, extracurricular activities yeah. that were taking up their time. And considering that they do have autism, we wanted to be respectful of their need to socially isolated to wind down and to not be overburdened. Yeah, and they weren't particularly interested in the keyboard. They're not going to be piano players. But unfortunately, that was the only instrument we have in our house. Yeah. So, like, if if they'd been really into the piano, then maybe just having a piano in the house would have... They would have played with it every now and then. But we don't have violins or guitars. We technically have recorders, and every now and then they do rediscover the recorders. Yeah. Um, during remote learning, I think we did pull out some musical instruments that have been sitting on a shelf for a while mm. um, in order to do some music on things other than glasses. <laughs> yeah. I think, mean, yeah, they did, They don't really have musical instruments around the house to play with. And yeah, once we realised they weren't going to be piano players, we actually sold our piano yeah. to make room for more shelf space. <laughs> yeah. Because we love shelf space. We do love shelf space. We love storage and books and keeping, you know, inanimate objects. So we yeah, just need like, more room for that rather than a giant when, piano. Where the piano used to be, there is a drawer that I opened the other day and discovered it was just full of chocolate. Hey, and me and the kids do know what, don't know why there's a drawer full of chocolate. I wonder whose drawer full of chocolate that is. It was mine. And it's because Arnott's put out a range of chocolate, which was good, but they, they discontinued the line. So I was saving it up and storing it oh. up for future use. Except it was meant to be eaten at one of my various social occasions. But thanks to coronavirus, I couldn't have that social occasion. There you go. That explains why the piano has been replaced by a drawer full of chocolate. All right, well, we use the chocolate more than the piano. So really, <laughs> it was automatically more useful. The non-existent piano, yes. Yeah. Uh, the music class was overall quite successful, but I think it probably was telling that the kids didn't really get an interest in playing, playing musical instruments, because now they love rap music. And don't get me wrong, having, having musical knowledge and whatnot is important in, in writing rap, but it probably wouldn't have been as useful to... Like, their, their, their love of music, of rap music, wouldn't have fed their love of musical instruments. So, you know, maybe... But one of the latest well. songs they listen to it. About Among Us. I don't actually mind. Like, normally I don't like their songs, but that one I don't mind. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Is it based on something? Mm. Okay. It's, it's like, it sounds familiar. It might be. That's okay. I um, thought if anyone was going to recognize this, like, if they just change the lyrics to a song, 
it'd be you. But if you don't recognize it, maybe it, maybe it just sounds like a song in general rather than a specific song. Yeah, potentially. The Leaping Lizards class has also actually lasted really up until now and only really stopped because of coronavirus. Yeah, if, if it reopened next year, the kids have said they want to go back. Yeah. So, Leaping Lizards... it also evolved. Yes. So, Leaping Lizards, I think, is a little bit closer to something like um, Ready, Set, Go or... Well, the later years of it. Like, it it sort of starts off as Kinder Gym. So, it's about climbing and rolling and ball skills and hand-eye coordination. Once again, very... Like, the kids were allowed to touch things, um, which is good. And, you know, they could slowly learn to climb a ladder. So, a lot of skills they got there... They were then able to use in playgrounds, which was cool. Yeah, I remember early on trying to get them to, in inverted commas, climb monkey bars. Uh, obviously, we were just holding them. Those were just touching it. But there was, there was, they weren't unsupported. Being absolutely terrified, like screaming and crying. And now they cannot get enough of monkey bars and spider, climbing the big spider webs. And I, I remember in uh, prep, all the girls and Jake had like blisters on their hands from monkey bars. <laughs> it's, it, like he just he loved those monkey bars. He got those he got those blisters that normally only girls get. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so leaving lizards has been a bit of has been quite a success. Uh, so as in the later years, each term was focused on a particular sport. Yes. So basically, once it became school age, I think it started being a sport per term. Mm. So like it started off with their eighteen months. It was kind of just about you know climbing skills, safe climbing skills. Um, yeah, as I said, hand-eye coordination, that sort of thing. A bit of rhythm sticks. Yeah, a little bit of musical element to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A bit of jumping and stuff. Um, and then it sort of, once they started getting more independent with that stuff, then it went into, like, the kinder program, which involved still a lot of that stuff, but, like, they'd go in a circuit and do different activities, like monkey bars or jumping or throwing hoops and stuff, and the parents would be outside in the foyer with... windows (laughs) windows <laughs> you just have them they come around the circuit and they all just stop and wave to their parents and all the parents would wave because you weren't sure which kid was behind you mm. but as um someone said you know the kid was only looking at their parent they don't notice that everyone else is waving so we all just wait yeah every time um and that's when paul stopped coming so around that time sort of the kinder years is when both with music and leaping lizards so i started doing it by myself because i was well in leaping lizards i was in the foyer in music, in, in theory, I was allowed to leave, but I pretty much never did. That's <laughs> pretty much always there, because one or the other needed me. Mm. But that was also quite accepted. So, yeah, so with the... And then, yeah, so the kinder years was sort of a transition from the sort of the climbing ki- gym skills and ball sort of into prep, where sort of prep grade one, grade two, and grade three until coronavirus... It would just teach them about a sport. And one one of the good things about the Leaping Lizard program, teaching them about sport, is you don't have to buy the equipment. Mm. Like, the kids can try a different sport every term without having to buy all the equipment. Because Matt has done a soccer class, which he now doesn't want to do anymore, which is fine. He did it for a while, and then coronavirus has stopped him from being able to do it for a while. So I think he's lost interest. But we had to buy equipment for that, and it was kind of expensive to buy the equipment for him to do a soccer class. Um, and this is the second time he did a soccer class, actually. And both times we had to buy uniforms. Whereas we're leaving this, no uniforms, no balls, no bats, no cricket, you know, stumps or anything you need to buy. Yeah. Just good. Yeah. 
So, I guess let's talk about some of the programs that didn't work out so well. Yes. Uh, so, I think I think after... So, we quit Japanese Bright Brain Training. I, I feel like the next one we tried was art. Yes. So, we've talked a bit about art class before. Because uh, <clears throat> talking about how Jake preferred to be in a corner rather than actually participate in art class. But... The art class itself was was actually really great. The teacher mm. was lovely. It was a, it was a little art studio in a, in a nearby neighborhood, and um, and each class was uh, organized around one particular piece of work that the child theoretically was meant to be creating. You know, yeah, with it with the you kind of made it as a team. Yeah, then there was a pretty cute except for when Jake was in the corner, then you were making yours by yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was some pretty cute things that came out of it. Obviously, you know. The, the better looking ones are mostly done by the parent and the slightly more haphazard ones are done by the kids, but... I still remember when um, Matt did a beach scene and it looked like a tornado in his, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the beach finish was, like, in the ocean. <laughs> There's all sorts of things everywhere. It was very, he loved it. I'm just like, yeah, it looks like a natural disaster in this beach. <laughs> but, you know, I think... We, we kind of chose the classes for two reasons. One was because of vicinity to where we were. Like, we weren't going to travel across multiple suburbs or into the city for a, for a specific class. But we also wanted to think about what kind of things the kids might be interested in. Given exposure to things and create... Knowing... I think at this point, we knew or suspected they had autism. I can't remember. Um, well, no. Like, if, if we started... Yeah, if we did a term... This would have only been mid... No, there would have just been two, I think. So, okay. we're so still, we didn't know. Still probably a couple of years before diagnosis. So, we, I, I guess we figured create, creativity was something that we wanted to engender. I think, actually, maybe in my head it was because I didn't think I would necessarily give that to them. Like, I just, I'm not a particularly creative person. Uh, so, I think art's a broad enough thing. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, I think music, sport, and art were broad enough topics that... They're worth a try. Yeah. And, you know, we tried to encourage art at home as well. So, uh, we bought, like, butcher's paper, and we had paint, and we had crayons and stuff. And, look, the kids were never particularly interested. Like, they kind of participated, but it was always a struggle. But certainly... I do remember, like, one of the things... I think it must have started in art. So, there was one time where they... Maybe they were making a butterfly or something. So, they had a pipe cleaner, and they had to, like, thread beads onto it. And the boys loved it. Like, they just loved threading these beads on the pipe cleaners. So, we bought beads and pipe cleaners. And then, they just spent all day just pouring the beads from one container to oh, the next. Like, yeah. I, I put them in containers just so they wouldn't roll away. But then, they just pour them. And just listen to, like, the sound of pouring. And then, the beads went everywhere. Like, for years. Like, every time we, like, vacuumed... Behind saying there was beads. There's just beads yeah. all over the house. Yep. In the couches, in like rugs and stuff. I imagine like we don't we never had um carpet, but I can imagine how many beads we would have found in the carpet. <laughs> but yeah, they just even though it was the we tried to set up the exact activity, just putting the beads in a container just changed the activity into this bead pouring thing. And they just yeah, they'd pour those beads for like years. Those mm. beads would just be poured around and things would be filled up with those beads and slowly the beads were went missing. Yes. <laughs> it got vacuumed up. But yeah, like their their art has always been a bit weird. They, they do go through phases where they like to paint. Very abstract mm. paint. Um and sometimes they just 
spend the entire time mixing different paints into the water to see what colours would be made. Well, they're like mixing the paints together to make new colours. I think there's yeah. a for that as well. Was... But then when he was being assessed for his speech delay, which was actually the first assessment, came before the autism, he actually was really good at colours. Yeah. <laughs> like his colour knowledge was beyond his years. So he obviously learnt that somewhere along the line mm. through all this art and maybe maybe music. There was a bit of colour in music. Yeah. There might have been a bit of colour in... um. Leaping lizards, like all the ladders were very colourful mm. and bright. So yeah, he was very good with colour. <laughs> but yeah, so so art as as we've previously discussed, the art class kind of devolved, particularly for Jake. Uh, where yeah, I think Jake did it for maybe a term, and then Matt did it for for two terms. Because Matt did it for a term without Jake, and then just he didn't want to do it without Jake. Mm. T- I think they were too young to want to do things separately. Mm. So yeah, one, once Jake was out of it, Matt lost interest. Very quickly. Yeah. So then there was the soccer class, which was, yes, as you said, the second of, of two... The first of the two... The first of, of two, two soccer classes. classes, yeah. But in this case, both of them participated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that overall went okay. There were some lovely instructors. The instructors yes. are really, really wonderful, and there were lots of different... They went well for you, because you were working with Jake. <laughs> Me and Matt had our own problem. So maybe, 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 you know, Matt did have problems with sunglasses... Because I remember Matt's problem with soccer was that he didn't like to repeat the drills. Mm. He'd they tell him, you know, this is what you have to do. You have to kick this ball to this place. And he'd do it once, and then he'd be like, I have done it. <laughs> Perfection. <Yeah. laughs> and he, like, he wouldn't do it ten times. He'd do it once. <laughs> once he had decided he had done it correctly, he was fine. He was just like, nope, no more practice for me. Mm. Um, so that that's my main memory from that. And also the fact that the instructors thought... That we were brother-in-laws. Oh yeah! <laughs> they did, they somehow got the idea that the boys were cousins. Yeah. So yeah, I think you like married my sister or something. <laughs> Which you know we did choose an egg donor who looked like she could be my sister, so maybe there was some yeah, there was some, some connection. There. Sure. I think also like with the music and the soccer, there was sort of like end of term like celebration, like so like there'd be an end of year concert. For Mini Mario Street, even when like the little, little babies, they'd be up to the parents like with things on top of their heads, like not really interacting. Yeah. Uh, but it went all the way through to like the kids, you know, playing the keyboard and violin and guitars on stage at the end of the year. So it's really, really cool. Um, and the the soccer one, yeah, like they'd all get up and like on a little thing, like they won the Olympics and they'd like stand there and. Get was it a medal? Yeah, it was a medal. Like a medal, and then we take all take photos of them with their medals, and mm. it was fun. Yeah, um, why did we give up on that one? I think the boys lost interest. Yeah, I think what happened was like the ki- they they're in sort of this kiddie one. It was a lot of games, and then it became more serious. That's right. And they yes. lost interest. But then a couple of years later, Matt then wanted to go join a soccer class. That's also because one of his friends was in a soccer class. Yeah, he? but then he joined a completely different soccer class that his friend wasn't in and enjoyed it for a while. But I think, yeah, I think he's lost interest now. Mm. Um, but it was also really far away. Yeah, yeah. So I guess then that could lead us to the next one, which actually has worked out well for Jake, which is gymnastics. Yes. So we... Um... Well, what happened first, gymnastics or karate? Ooh, karate maybe, actually. Yeah. And I can't remember why that started either. I think you thought they might be interested in karate. There was something, it must have been something we were watching or something they were doing, maybe. Anyway, so we offered it to the both of them. We, we did spend a lot of time trying to find 
a way for Jake to express himself. Like, he was doing all that break dancing, and we did try... I think we tried karate, dancing, and gymnastics. Oh, yeah. The, the dancing wasn't even a class. We went and watched a class, and Jake got overwhelmed by the noise. Surprise, surprise. Oh, no. Like, I think we were trying to find a class for Jake. Like, he didn't have any success with anything other than gymnastics. Yeah. So, let, let's start with the karate, then. So, Matt Matt got into karate. Um, we took them both. Yeah. We took them both, but Jake hated it. Yeah. Um, because of the yelling. Because mm. of the hee-yah yell. He did not like that. Yeah. Um, whereas Matt got into it. And he's really stuck with it. He's, he's sticking with it even through coronavirus because the, yeah. the school thankfully offered uh, online like videos, uh, instructional videos. Um, but he's taken to it really well and uh, you know he's, in, he's enjoying the games and he's following instructions pretty well and he's kind of a natural at it, which is great. And probably part of why he finds it enjoyable because it's easy for him because he just he's not really trying too hard, you know? Yeah, but he, yeah, he's got some really good skills and we were worried the same thing would happen with karate that happened with soccer mm. where it stopped being little ninjas fun yeah and became more serious that he would um quit and i think even the sensei was a bit concerned that at, that would be the point that we might lose him yeah but it didn't but it might still come though because sparring is going to be interesting so getting so once matt if upgrades to a level where he actually will be legitimately sparring with other he's people. He's allowed to touch people again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I would be curious to see how well he copes with the threat of injury. Okay. I guess, you know, we'll watch this space. Right now he's enjoying doing the carters and the different forms and stuff. And he's enjoying the exercise part of it. But yeah, when it actually comes to sparring, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, whereas the journey with gymnastics, I think, is really interesting. So, so Jake was sort of running around the house and trying. He was trying to do cartwheels and things that he had seen other people do. So we thought, all right, let's go the gymnastics route. And we offered it to both of them. And initially, we oh no, no, I think it started with Jake, and then Matt got incorporated later, perhaps. Yeah, I think I think what happened was we were trying to find something for Jake, especially after the karate worked out for Matt. We we're trying to find Jake something, but. What happened was Matt didn't want to be left out and we didn't feel like we should really just say, no, you're not allowed to. You're doing too many things. Mm. So he wanted to also be involved. So So he was involved for a year, I think. Yeah. So we started with looking at local gymnastics schools, of which there was actually only two, I think, in our area. Uh, One of them was uh, a class that was all girls, not a single boy in sight. Um, And then... uh, So, and... Actually, Jake didn't even really engage with that because it was busy and it was noisy. And again, I think he just got a lot of sensory overload with that. But then we went to another one that actually offered an autism-specific class, which was the only one we've, we've heard of. And it was brilliant. So the instructor was an occupational therapist by training, but she, she had a passion for gymnastics. And there was only four or five kids in the class at any one time. Yeah. They got their own gym, so they weren't sharing it with, like, 20 or 30 other kids. And a lot of it was focused... It wasn't focused on gym skills, but there was a lot of, you know, instruction about sticking to a schedule and following a routine. And really, the, all the other kids that were involved probably had some degree of intellectual disability, whereas, um, whereas Matt and Jake did not. But it was enough... Nice- there was one, I think, that was non-verbal. Mm. I think all the other ones were verbal. Okay. But anyway, so that is so that's that was a really good introduction to the whole process. So they did it together for a year. They and they um I, I think it just helped ease Jake into it. Because that, that's always been the thing about Jake. He doesn't take to things very quickly. Mm. If it's new, he needs time to get used to it. After about a year, 
we it was suggested by the instructor that the Jake and Matt move to for you know mainstream gymnastics classes, and Jake had enough interest in it, whereas Matt was kind of ambivalent. And we figured, well, Matt had enough things going on, so we didn't really push that. And so then Jake uh, upgraded to an all boys class, and it also had to be after school. We couldn't we couldn't do a Saturday class because they didn't run boys class on Saturday. Yeah, and they didn't believe in mixed classes for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So we stayed at that particular gymnastics school for a while, but now he's moved on to another one where they do do mixed classes. Yeah, so he's back to Saturdays, which I think he likes. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the thing, you know, as much as these extracurriculars, I'm going to keep calling them that because that's the name that's stuck in my head. Um, with these extracurriculars, you know, as much as it is about encouraging the child to explore new things and new, new activities, logistics plays a big role in it. Well, yeah, even in the karate, so... There's a couple of options for Matt's level, because it's based on your, your class is based on what belt you're in. And because he was doing quite well, he you know, he progressed up to, I think, his red belt. So it was sort of like, there'd be like the kinder kids, then the white belt class, then the red belt class. And there was like an art of school option and a sap day option. So we, we went to the art of school option because his friend was in that one. Because I think she did her gymnastics on Saturday because she was a girl, so she was allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to the art school, but when it became winter and he came out of the class and it was dark, he did not like that. He did not like it being nighttime when he finished his class. So we had to kind of move to the Saturday for logistical reasons because he, probably because of his autism, he was like, no, this is not right. I can't be finishing after dark. I have to be home. Um, which we've had a, we've had a problem with um, the kids trying to get the kids to stay out for special events beyond a certain time can be very difficult. So for Matt, having a class where it finished and it was dark was not allowed. So we've had to stick with Saturday since then. Mm. Yeah. So accommodations were necessary, but ultimately, I think. Everything we've we've tried to do is really just to try to get the kids to do things that they wouldn't necessarily do in a, in a guided manner. I mean, it'd be nice if you and I had the kind of inherent skills and abilities to expose them to different things, but sometimes you need a bit of help. Sometimes you need other people with more specific skills offering programs to be able to, yeah, show them different sports or art or music or all those kinds of things. So I think, I, I think we made uh, the right choice in trying to, in, you know, have as many extracurricular activities as possible. Yeah, and if we've been if we've been trying to do everything ourselves, we would have had to like buy two violins, two guitars, two <laughs> pianos. Yeah. We have recorders. Yes. A lot of climbing frames, a lot of balls, a basketball hoop. Mmm. Yep. Yeah, definitely not investing in that. Uh, but hey, who knows? In in the future if one of them suddenly shoots up to be really tall and decides to play basketball, then okay, but I guess we'll just go along with it as we as we Yeah, like it was it was Good to better trial these things and then, yeah, just get what we needed. Mm. Like, we ended up turning the playroom into the dojo because it it was appropriate for karate and gymnastics. And that's what they actually wanted to do. Yeah. We didn't turn into an art studio guessing that they were going to do art. Yeah. Or turn into a Japanese right brain training studio. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a good way to try a lot of things without a huge financial burden. Yeah. All right. That's the end of the episode. Yeah, I think that covers class as well. And next time we can go on to kindergarten and diagnoses. All right. 
Thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to us uh, on Facebook and Instagram at The Atypical Rainbow and check out our other episodes. There are plenty out there and we feel like we've slowly gotten better and better and our rhythm's gotten better. So um, see what we were like at the beginning. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.